Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, the 24-hour online casino. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Polina Edmonds. And today on the show, I'm super happy to introduce our special guest. She skated with me when I was little. We both skated in San Jose and she had beautiful skating, beautiful style. Uh, We all came to see her when she was competing because she was so amazing. Happy to introduce Michelle Hong. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much, Paulina. And it's really exciting to be able to communicate now that we're adults and looking back and hearing that it's been so many years, maybe like 15 years (laughs) since we were training on the same ice sessions. And I was always constantly inspired by your work ethic and honestly, your consistency. That was really something that motivated me to continue working harder and despite the age difference and the size honestly (laughs) um, of your petite body it was so amazing to be on the same ice session as you so it's fun to be on your show thank you so much yeah no for everyone listening you know I was kind of the little like eight-year-old nine-year-old skater at the ice rink and Michelle was just this gorgeous skater. I always remember my mom and my other coaches having Michelle like demonstrate either spins or a jump or whatever for me. And she's just so artistic. So um, it was, it was really good for a younger skater like me to have a good role model on the ice to watch and like be like, oh, I love skating so much. I want to look like that one day, you know? So super cool that we're full circle now and just having you be so influential in the skating world for everyone listening. Michelle has an online coaching platform on Instagram. She's Coach Michelle Hong, and it's super cool to see what you've done with that. But let's get a little bit into first your start in that. So you went to college at UC Berkeley, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started at UC Berkeley in terms of my transition out of my competitive figure skating career. And it's really interesting to see the transformation that you have kind of paved the way to be able to compete while still in college. And I, there was a handful of other skaters too, um, in your generation who did the same thing, but it was honestly so difficult for me to try to do that. So my story in terms of trying to transition from being a competitive athlete to also managing school at a very academically driven Uh, institution was quite difficult. I remember trying to take the BART station at 5 a.m. And for those of you who don't know what BART is, it's like a subway. Subway are used in New York and in the Bay Area, we have the BART. And it's 
in a way quite dangerous too, to be taking it at that early of an hour. But I would do that, try to go skate in the morning, and then I would try to go to class at 9am. And the level of energy that I had to have to keep up with my class sizes of 500 people, and you have to be engaged with your professor. And you really have to maintain your diligence, both in your sport and in your academics. Uh, That was really challenging, especially because for me, I think in high school, it was a better balance in a way because you got to know your teachers and you got to know the way that your school operated. But when you're going to a big university and there's so many people from all across the world who are in your classes and you're actually competing against your peers because at Cal, we have a lot of weeder classes where they actually rank you from one through 500. So after you take an exam, you'll know, are you 395 out of 500 or are you second out of 500? That was a really try, like such a trial for me to overcome because I had to make the decision for myself to stop competitive figure skating uh, because I don't think that I was physically able to handle both. And for two, I was honestly burnt out. What I noticed now looking back as a coach is that I was skating nonstop. I skated seven days a week. And that was the norm. And Paulina, I, I'm not 100% sure if that was your schedule, but I felt like we were there on the weekends all the time. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. And so I think that was the norm for us. And talking about rest, recovery, downtime, maybe off days wasn't as prevalent when we were competing. And now that we have so much research, so much knowledge, so much to share online, and a lot of resources that are applicable to people of all different ages, backgrounds, and abilities, it's really nice to see the community of athletes come together and talk about these things, talk about rest and recovery, talk about how, you know, it is difficult to transition from competitive figure skating to college to finding a career. So that's why I really appreciate what you're doing here with your podcast, because it's bringing to light a lot of issues that we've never gotten to touch upon when we were younger. There were no real conversations around all the things that we were struggling with. And we just went through it and we went through it alone. And then you would see that other skaters weren't struggling, and then you would feel bad about yourself. So for anybody out there who is also going through the same thing, or you feel as though you didn't end your skating career on the note that you wanted to know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, it takes time and know that there's so many other athletes out there, including myself, Paulina, who have gone through the same struggles. Definitely. That's super accurate. It's been so great talking to so many different athletes in all different kinds of, you know, stages in their careers or their lives. And they've all been going through the same struggles and the same things. Like it is so universal and it's such a shared experience. Uh, But since we don't talk about it as often, you know, everybody always feels like what they're doing is solo and it's just it's not true. And I think as we, you know, continue to talk about these issues and topics more, it's going to help more and more people not feel so isolated. But yeah, so you tried some collegiate skating too, right? Because you skated for the Cal figure skating team. So 
I know some girls who are going to Berkeley and they're actually interested in the collegiate skating world. Um, what's your advice for them? Just knowing that you've been at Cal. Yeah, it was actually really interesting. That would be my first word because I feel like during that transition period, I didn't know if I wanted to continue skating because you have this identity crisis where you're obviously not the competitive figure skater that you were once, you know, shooting for. And along with that comes body changes. Along with that comes self-esteem changes. Along with that comes with what do I do now, now that I'm not training as many hours as I was before? And so uh, there were a handful of the current Cal figure skaters that really urged me to be part of the team. And they were super excited to know that I was joining Cal. And so I think I was definitely motivated by their spirit. And I saw how much they continued to love it. So I forced myself to do it. It was a struggle, but what I soon started to really feel comfortable with was the community aspect and the team aspect of it. In all honesty, I really hated competing on my own, which was so different than how I was growing up. Growing up, as Polina shared, I love to compete. I love to perform. I love being able to shine and really sell a program. And I think that's something that has always been with me, except for the fact that I started to not feel the same way as I did when I was younger because of my body image issues, because of my weight gain, because of going through puberty at a later stage. And so that was the reality of what I was going through. But from the outside perspective, it seemed like, you know, I was so happy and everything was so easy to transition to. And for me, it was more so of a balance of how can I still make this enjoyable? And so the nice part about being on a collegiate, collegiate figure skating team was the community aspect. And in a way, this was the first time I started opening up about my struggles. And then more people on the team started to also share their struggles too. Like it feels so weird that we're not competing at the same level as we did. I don't know how I feel about competing solo, but there's these team maneuvers that is actually really exciting because you each do an element and you collect points as a collective. And I started to really get more inspired by the community aspect. And that's what made me feel like I wanted to be part of the sport again, in addition to also coaching on the side, because that was something that I always felt was just like an easy way for me to feel fulfilled, honestly. And for those out there who are also interested in joining a collegiate figure skating team, I do highly recommend it because it fosters community, it fosters teamwork, and it fosters a transition for those of you who might be struggling through that transition from competitive to where do I want to, you know, go with my skating? Do I still want to continue having it be part of my life? Collegiate figure skating is an amazing way to do so. And then I started to also make friends by traveling to Colorado and to Utah and all these different places for nationals and things like that. That's so awesome. I wish that I had a collegiate skating team at Santa Clara, honestly. I feel like it would have been so fun. Um, I'm a huge advocate for telling kids if they have a collegiate team when they're going off to college, they should join just to see what it's like. You know, like a lot of people kind of get burned out when they're in high school and it's because of that competitive culture, like the very independent 
style. And I feel like you can have a lot of fun with skating and not put as much pressure on yourself, especially in that kind of team community feel. So um, really cool to hear your thoughts on that. Talk about what you studied in college and your decision to go into coaching after college. Yes. So I actually got into Cal as an integrative bio major. So my original thought process was to go down the medical school track. And this was something that I had embedded into my head ever since I was 12. And with my Asian American background and my, in a way, pressure and desire to fulfill the dreams of my parents or to make them proud was a strong influence on this decision. But when I went to college and I was able to be on my own and I was able to reflect and see that honestly, sciences were not my strong suit and I didn't have a passion for it. I slowly started to venture off and try to see what was the best major for me. And for me, my leadership skills, my communication skills, those are the things that are my strengths. And I felt that business really highlighted those strengths. And so I started going to business forums because at Cal, you had to enter and basically apply to get into the Hawes School of Business. So I did that and I got in my sophomore year and that was really exciting. And I also decided to double major with media studies. Because for me, what I truly loved was how the social media landscape had started to transform business. And this was something that I always really was curious about, especially since YouTube had basically blown up around 2009. And I started following my idols like Michelle Fan and Blogilates, who had been a huge influence on my life, especially seeing them as Asian American representatives of industries that didn't really have us on the forefront. So Michelle Fan was the beauty guru pioneer on YouTube. And she talked about how her Vietnamese American experience really helped shape her work ethic to build what she has now, which is a huge empire. Um, and she's just highly influential. And the same goes for Cassie Ho, who is the founder of Blogilates, seeing how she was able to take her Pilates passion. And she also had a similar story about going down the medical school path because her parents wanted her to, but she was actually really drawn to fashion. And her parents even said like fashion, what are you going to do with that? How are you going to make money? And so there were a lot of times where I felt the exact same way where even though I changed my trajectory to business and media studies and deep down inside, I wanted to do something in the social media space and I wanted to combine my passions to be able to craft my own path. I never allowed myself to say yes to those things because I was like, I still have to make my parents proud. I still need to conform to a box so that I can really make sure that I am abiding by um, what is expected of me. And another thing too, for me, having that, opportunity to be in the business school. I met a lot because there was a lot of opportunities for entrepreneurship classes. And I was actually able to get a scholarship to go to Dublin, Ireland, uh, to be able to really connect with startup influencers and people who were definitely making a change in their environment at the time. And so um, being able to be surrounded by that at the beginning stages of all of kind of 
startup tech influencer social media landscape um, blowing up, it really inspired me to go in that direction in my heart, but I never really shared it outwardly. What I had to do was kind of follow my gut, but do it in a very mechanical, systematic way. So after Cal, I actually got a job at a biotech startup called Clara Foods. And so that was a, a happy medium between being able to still be in like a corporate job where I would have, you know, benefits and security, but also at the same time be at a cusp of something that's disruptive and in an environment or a company that was small enough where I would create impact because at the end of the day, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to put my hands into something that I would really see transform. And it was not what I wanted. It was not what I was passionate about, but it was exciting at the same time. But at the end of the day, my heart was still calling me to coaching. And what was really interesting is at the time when I was working at the biotech startup, I would be coaching in the mornings and I would be coaching in the evenings and I would make time somehow, even though I was commuting from San Francisco, from Fremont all the time, I would still find ways to make my coaching happen because that's what got me to feel fulfilled throughout my every day. Feeling as though I knew that the social media landscape had the capabilities to really have a level of impact that is astronomical, honestly. Um, I took the plunge and in 2016, I created coachmichellehong.com and I wanted to create the first online platform that really helped move skaters to empower themselves and to feel like they had somebody that they could connect to via tutorials and tips because the figure skating world is quite secretive. It's quite competitive. Coaches don't share information. And there's a lot of taboo topics that aren't touched upon, like I was saying, in terms of what we're sharing now um, and what I hear you speaking about on your podcast. And I think that that was something that I really wanted to change. I really saw a need and I wanted to fulfill it. And basically for myself, it was like, you know, if Cassie Ho, if Michelle Fan can do it, why can't I? And it sounds so much easier said than done. I was so scared out of my mind, to be honest. I was like so fearful of judgment. I was very fearful about what other people would think of me. I even had comments, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, you're coaching? Didn't you go to Cal? Like, what are you doing here? Aren't you going to be like working in tech or whatnot? And so I just had to brush those comments aside because I had a vision for myself and I knew where I wanted to go with it. And little by little, years had gone by and I started to develop my coaching experience, my professionalism in that realm and being able to take my students to nationals and really grow and develop my expertise in choreography, jump technique, spin technique. I went to jump on it camp and I would go to acceleration camps and I would um, be able to take my students to sectionals and learn from my experiences at those high level competitions and be able to connect with my coaching partner, uh, Bilal Care and learn a lot from his years of experience. I just really engulfed myself in wanting to learn as much as I could while also being able to openly share my experience so that other people can feel like they belong to. It's really cool hearing that story because you're really just 
the perfect example of somebody who, you know, picks a career path that maybe doesn't a hundred percent align with your original vision, but within your pivot, it's like something that you're clearly so passionate about and that's going to eventually bring you the most success and the most happiness and fulfillment, you know? And so with something like coaching where you're really just really into it and you also have this vision of really an untapped market at the time with social media, creating your online coaching platform, that's, you're just a social entrepreneur and it's seeing the success now for everyone listening. Coach Michelle Hong on Instagram has around 70,000 followers and that's, huge for the skating world, you know, and it's amazing that your online platforms can bring exposure to skating on all levels. And you're so inclusive of every type of skater. So what kind of audiences do you hope to reach with your online platforms? So what's really interesting to me is that I didn't have a level of expectation on who my audience was going into this. I was happy with touching one soul. And it was amazing to see how the numbers continue to grow as I shared little sneak previews or little tips that I would share with my students. And a lot of people were engaged and interested. And for me, it's honestly discovering new audiences that makes me really excited. So TikTok is a platform that I discovered this year. And what was really exciting about TikTok is that the algorithm allows for your videos to be seen on a whole nother level than in a way other social media platforms. For example, on YouTube, it's very search-based. So if people search for the axle or they search for how to do the sow cow or how to do the layback, my videos will pop up because people are searching for them. And on Instagram, you usually see things that you are currently a follower of. So it's hard for you to learn and kind of discover new content or new creators. And when I discovered TikTok, what was so awesome about TikTok is that I started just to post things that were tutorial-based, tip-based, and it, my videos got pushed out to people who had never touched the ice before. And so on TikTok, I have close to half a million followers. And what's beautiful about that is that I get to see all the people who just love skating and they love learning about skating. They don't necessarily want to be on the ice, but it honestly inspires them to be on the ice. So that's so cool. In the beginning, I think my original idea was, I hope that I could touch skaters lives. I hope that I can help skaters who are struggling right now with what they're currently focusing on or what they're currently um, going through was my main goal. And now seeing how vast the internet and how astronomically um, influential you can be, I really got excited to see that people who had never even learned about skating or are in countries that don't even have ice rinks can finally have a taste of what the figure skating world is like. And it's really awesome too, because many times people see Ice Princess or they see Cutting Edge and there are these movies that depict skating in a very like unrealistic way. <laughs> I was trying to come up with a word. Yes. <laughs> Very unrealistic way. And so that, yeah. that is what people see figure skating to be. 
since I break things down and I'm able to share kind of the ins and outs of the skating world, people are more drawn and more connected to the sport more so than just the every four years when the Olympics rolls around. And so I think for me, that is my main goal. My main goal is to be able to make figure skating accessible to everyone. Whoever wants to learn about figure skating or or whoever wants to learn about skating in general, because I also got roller skates too. So people um, who are in the roller skating community, I'm excited to start this journey. Um, That's awesome. And you can give me tips too. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. I know. I just started rollerblading last year. I put like the blades on my old Adaya skates and I've just been like going around. It's actually great workout, especially if you're going slightly uphill, which is you actually have to push, but it's, it's really fun. Super, super encouraging to all skaters who want to be able to skate in a non ice rink environment, rollerblading, roller skating. It's for you. You know, (laughs) how do your students feel about your online coaching presence? The ones that you actually coach in person? I think my students are so excited, enthusiastic. (laughs) They love watching my videos. It's so funny because I I don't really hear about it too much, but I hear it from their parents because I don't think the kids are going to go up to me and be like, I love the video you just posted about me. (laughs) But the parents, they give me notes about how like, you know, so-and-so watch the video that you posted so many times, or thank you so much for sharing that. That was so beautiful to kind of see the progression. I love watching my skater land their jump all the time, but it was awesome to see that the journey is what makes the skating beautiful. And so I really appreciate the support that I have from my students and Uh, my students' parents, because it's something that is really special. I find it so special that I get to work with these kids every single day. I feel so privileged to be able to be part of their development as a coach, as a mentor, and as someone who had always wanted that kind of connection with a older skater or a, a coach, because I feel like in our generation of figure skating, you weren't really able to connect with your coach past a certain level. I feel like I know that I'm very non-traditional with my coaching. I'm emotional. I'm transparent. I am strict. I am enthusiastic all at the same time. I'm a very dynamic person and I bring that to my coaching as well. And I think people can see that online. And so I feel like the, the students who work with me, they work for, with me for a reason. So they get really excited when they see their progress online. That's really awesome. You mentioned a little bit earlier that, you know, general coaching culture, a lot of coaches like to keep things secret, like to, you know, keep things very separate than other coaches. Have you received any criticism or backlash from other coaches who maybe don't quite get what you're doing? Yeah, I 100% did. Going into my coaching experience as a young coach, as a woman, as an Asian American woman at that, I feel like I was an easy target to kind of communicate behind my back or to me about Mm -hmm. my style of teaching. And I think 
that I'm very enthusiastic. I'm very showy in a way. And so Mm -hmm. I demonstrate a lot. I demonstrate for my skaters and I move, I move with my skaters because I want them to see visually. And I want them to also learn about how their development of their performance can be. They don't have to get exactly like me, but I want them to also see where they can go with their skating. And that has gotten negative backlash for, you know, whatever reason it may be, you know, you're a show off or she's a fun coach. You know, what is she doing? Things like that. And I've, Mm. I've been called too. you're the junior coach. You're the assistant coach. You have no business doing what you're doing. Mm. And you know, criticism about not knowing IJS or only being artistic and putting me into a lane. It was really tough. It was really tough to hear those remarks. But at the end of the day, it made me stronger. It made me hone in on my technical skills. It made me prove myself. And what was really interesting, I think the funny part is when they say, you don't know IJS. I feel like I was the only coach at the time that competed under the system. (laughs) Exactly. Um, but wow. I was like, I know it very well. I, <laughs> I feel the pain from the points being taken away. And I feel the <laughs> happiness from when I earned the points of the G- GOEs. And so I think yeah, at the end of the day, somebody is going to say something. And that's what I had to learn. I had to really get tough skin. And especially being in the social media world, you really have to develop those kind of compartmental boxes you have to compartmentalize your thoughts you have to compartmentalize the way that you feel too because not everything that everybody's going to say online is going to be the truth or it's not something that you would like to hear it's easier said than done but any type of negativity is something that I don't want to have within my environment or in my mental health space so I try to shut them out they exist I want people online out there to know that I go through struggle too, and it does exist. And it may seem like I have a happy face on all the time, but I I go through a lot of internal dialogue as well. So I might Mm -hmm. be sometimes my worst enemy because I'm trying to prevent negative comments from happening. And so that's also unfortunate too, because then you stunt your own level of growth and development. But at the same time, if I allowed those comments to stop me from pursuing what I'm doing now, I would not have been able to reach the amount of people that I currently have. And I wouldn't have the opportunities that I have to be able to connect with people from all different backgrounds as well. So that's, that's what I would share. Yes, there have been many uh, pieces of criticism. And it's something that is not on the forefront of my mind because I continue to push and make a positive bubble around me as much as I can. That's awesome. Obviously, that's just proving everyone's human. Everyone goes through kind of the same struggles and um, there's always going to be criticism no matter how successful you are, no matter how bubbly you seem. Um, but it's really great to know that you are you know, pushing past all of that and you are you know, making such an impact on so many skaters lives now you know one of the hottest topics right now in sports is body image what were your experiences as a skater and also as a retired skater when you were moving in that direction yeah 
I just kind of want to start backwards. Where I am now feels so healthy, happy, and whole. It's so wild to be able to have this conversation with you and not feel emotional. So I definitely had a lot of body image issues. A majority of that was post-competitive life. I think towards the end of my competitive figure skating career, I definitely felt that pressure. It was when I started to hit puberty and I hit puberty a little later. So kind of like 16, 17, 18 was when I started to notice my body changes. So a big part of my figure skating life all the way up until I was 15, 16, I was very, very comfortable with my body. I had a regular muscular physique. I don't mean to say regular. I meant to say my regular body type is a muscular physique. That was my natural. And I was not focusing on my body. I was focusing on what my body could do. And it wasn't until my body started to shift and my body started to change. And I didn't change anything within my diet, but because naturally that's what happens when you go through puberty your body changes, your hormones start to increase. And, you know, things that you were once fueling yourself with before is going to affect you in a different way. And so for me, I don't think our generation had those nutritional classes, we didn't have that education. Yes, we had it in our health class. But our health class is only providing information based off of maybe a student that is not training the amount of hours that we have. Looking back, you know, I didn't have necessarily the correct resources or the resources in general because of financial circumstances too, because there were many of my competitors who did have nutritionists or um, people to support them through that. But for myself, it was mostly learning as I went. I felt a huge shift in my body when I went to college and that's when I stopped skating. So I stopped my four hours of training a day and, and that would be like two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon. And then I didn't even include off ice. So maybe like five hours of training. I went through puberty in the sense that my body started to develop um, womanly body parts. And so For me, Mm -hmm. it was a lot of change happening all at once, and I did not feel comfortable in my own skin. I did not like the person that I saw in the mirror. I was ashamed of who I was because I was definitely, I felt like I was unrecognizable from my competitive uh, physique, and I would wear my big jacket, my big coaching jacket every time I entered the rink. You know, I would hear things that people would say. I would hear, you know, what family members would say. it's a visual, it's a visual sport, it's a visual um, environment to be in when you're in the skating rink. And so it was always top of mind, whether I was in class, whether I was walking. And that was really difficult for me to navigate. I didn't talk about it with anybody. I was so, so ashamed. The only person that I talked about it with was my sister, Melissa, who went through that when she was um, skating herself, but she went through it when she was in high school. So she went through it earlier than me. Um, One of the struggles that I dealt with was not being able to kind of have that level of mental health support because in my um, Asian American community and my culture, a big part of our 
culture is to kind of push through things and not really talk about therapy or not talk about how uh, your mental health can affect your outward appearance or how it can affect your inward thoughts, um, your behavior. And so I had to seek therapy myself. I went to see a sports psychologist. I definitely went through the process of healing by having positive conversations with myself. And then post-college too, I definitely had to go through a lot of internal work, start to develop a better relationship with food and not see food as uh, evil and not see the, the gym as just simply a place to lose weight. I really had to eat intuitively. So eat when I felt like I was hungry, eat when I wanted to eat and not feel guilty about it. That was something that I really had to learn. And I also had to slowly learn how to exercise for fun and exercise because it made me feel good. And it's honestly not until maybe this year that I feel like I've had a better uh, way to manage all of it because um, I also fall into the trap now of working so much that I forget to eat or I'm not um, taking breaks to go on a run, which makes me feel good and, and builds my endorphins. So I think every single day is a learning experience. Every single day is a challenge to really work on um, how you want to have a balanced uh, lifestyle. And so for me, I feel so, so grateful that I'm at a place now where I could talk about this so openly, so freely. And um, I, I feel confident that people out there can do the same thing too, because it's sad. It's honestly sad to think that many people are going through this alone. Like I did, I did for years, so, so many years alone. And um, I'm happy that a lot of people are starting to open up about it online, including yourself. I really appreciate all the, you know, connections that you've been able to connect with um, in the athletic world to be able to openly talk about this. And I think that's the stepping stone, having these conversations so that the next generation doesn't have to feel like they're at it all by themselves. It's so important to bring as much attention as possible to these kind of things because there's just way too many kids that are lost in whatever sport they're doing um, for the wrong reasons. You know, things like eating disorders, things like um, not having a healthy relationship with your sport, whether that be due to something like body image or, you know, all these other types of mental health issues. Um, it's really important to take care of your mentality and not just your physicality, right? So as a coach, it's important for you now to be mindful about that topic as you work with kids. So how do you approach that with your students? Yeah, so this is something that I'm definitely working on. And I feel like some of the things that I grew up with, I wanted to continue just based off of habit. So I think one of the things that I went through growing up was avoidance. So my coach never spoke to me about nutrition, my body. And I was so happy with that. I was like, wow, like, you know, my, cause I saw everybody else's coach get on their case about their body, what they should be eating. And it was in a negative way. And so I actually was so happy that my coach was super supportive in the sense that like, you know, I, I actually remember this one time 
I was eating pancakes and I think I was with you. <laughs> I was eating pancakes after sectionals one year. And then one of the coaches was like, you're eating pancakes. And then my coach stood up for me and said, yes, she is. Don't worry about it. She's her parents like cook her healthy Asian meals at home. Like it's good. Like, you know, she has all these nutritional soups and was standing up for me. And I was so happy that I didn't have to say anything. But from that moment, I, I started to look at food differently. I, I started to literally have second guesses about what I should be eating and who I should be eating in front of. And it's so crazy how powerful words can be. And it's alarming for me to see that there's so much out there online. There's so much out there in this world. There's so much out there in the sports space that can negatively influence people. What I've been doing recently is that I don't want to just avoid the topic of nutrition, um, but I'm not an expert in it um, myself. So what our coaching team has done, um, my coaching partner, Coach Bilal Care, he invited his uh, previous coach, Lisa, to um, do nutritional webinars and have nutritional conversations with our students. And uh, we're having conversations about nutrition from the place of how to fuel your body, how to fuel your body for maximum performance, or how to fuel your body for the amount of hours that you are training. And that includes sleep, that includes hydration, that includes the different food groups. And so when we're speaking to athletes, especially at a young age, about how they should be fueling their body, I definitely encourage it to come from a positive standpoint in that regard. I am very, very against the anti, you know, food groups or um, taking away, diminishing diet culture. I'm so against that. And so for me, it's really important to have a positive relationship with your food, with how you're fueling yourself, and to also really be in tune with how your body feels. So that's how um, I'm working on approaching about it with my students. And I think it's a continuous journey. And I feel lucky that I'm surrounded by other mentors that you know, have had experience in that realm and have um, background in nutrition and uh, mental health. Definitely. That's awesome that you are in the process of, you know, navigating it. I know it can be so challenging. Um, and, you know, as coaches, we're not always equipped with the right amount of knowledge or the right um, education to be able to truly help people. And so it's really cool that you were doing, you know, nutrition webinars and whatnot and giving that access to your students um, because not all parents know that that's even a thing, right? With their kids and they don't know, you know, who has the right tools to give us that information. A lot of times they look for the coach and coaches aren't always qualified for that specific thing, right? So it's cool that you're paying attention to it and you're helping your students in that way. All right. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. That was awesome. A lot of great insight um, for our listeners. So if you want to give yourself a quick plug on where people can find you on all of your different platforms, go for it now. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Paulina, again, for having this discussion, having this conversation and to see how mature you've become in the full circle of us growing up together, <laughs> skating together. Hopefully you can find a picture of us. I have a picture. Of I know. I remember we were in a line at recall and we were like standing right next to each other. Oh my God. You're so right. I'm going to look <laughs> for it. I'm yeah. sure we have it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm really excited that I got to share this conversation with you. And if people want to find me, you can find me at Coach Michelle Hong on Instagram and at Coach Michelle on TikTok. Awesome. Thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode. Please let me know what you think. Subscribe to my channel. Give me a rating. Give me a review. Follow me on my Instagram. That's where I'm promoting this. My username is at Paulina Edmonds. And stay tuned for my upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for them. And I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.